0: When was the last time you felt like an outsider? Can you recall that moment? Maybe for some of you, you had that moment just a few minutes ago where where you might have been on the outside of the faith looking in, but you accepted what it meant to come into a relationship with Jesus. If so, we celebrate you. That is an incredible, incredible thing. But I want to ask again, when was the last time you felt like an outsider? Can you recall that moment? And even more importantly, I want you to think about what it felt like to feel like an outsider. See, I don't know about you, but one of my surprises in going through this unsettling COVID season is how difficult the transition has been from phase to phase to phase. Like, I understood early on that it would be really difficult to learn what it looked like to shelter in place for the very first time, and and then I guess maybe I was ready for the challenges of whatever the new normal in in transition was while we were waiting for things to be reopened. But what I was wasn't quite ready for was the difficulties now that, that we're phasing in to whatever life looks like. And, and the time spent sheltering in place and social distancing without our knowing it has created new social lines to be drawn. They're unseen, but, but it's ripe for feeling like an insider or an outsider. We, it's all mixed up. Are you tracking with me? And maybe there's just one thing that sort of blows my mind, and it's that this has become a symbol for who's in and who's out, if you've been following some of the national media. I mean, the reality is people have different reasons for wearing or not wearing a face mask during this important time that have nothing to do with political affiliation. And yet we've made that a sort of badge to say who's in and who's out. Are you tracking? Well, today I want to move beyond the fray to talk about our engagement uh, personally today, yours and mine, because those lines have been redrawn. There are those unseen boundaries that have changed. And I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times where sometimes I, I wonder if I'm now on the outside looking in. Again, when was the last time you felt like an outsider? So for us, for my family, it was about, oh, 10 days ago or so uh, as we were phasing into phase two and and there were opportunities to gather together in socially distanced appropriate ways. My seven-year-old daughter had a first-grade party with some of the gals uh, in her class. And and so they were so excited to get together. There was going to be an ice cream truck and we just thought this would be a great way uh, for her to get to see and reconnect with some of her friends. And my wife and Stella went hand-hand. Hand in hand with a few other uh, neighbor moms and first graders uh, to an adjoining neighborhood, and they were met with a bit of a surprise. Because in addition to this ice cream truck, there was a bounce house. Now, this would have been helpful for us to know because an ice cream truck, there's the ability to keep some semblance of social distance as difficult as that would be for a first grader. But that's not possible in a bounce house. And so we had this experience where there were five or six uh, young girls jumping and having a great time in this bounce house and three or four little girls who weren't able to jump in the bounce house, one of them being my Stella. And as my wife just described this traumatic experience of just how painful it was for Stella to be sort of on the outside looking in at her friends that she just wanted to see who were jumping on the bounce house. Now what I don't want to do is make any judgment on anyone who would have approached that situation similarly or differently. What I want you to do is just put yourself in the shoes of my first grader to have that experience of being on the outside looking in, what she must have felt like. So I want you to hold on to that feeling for you of what it feels like to be an outsider. Because here's the good news for us today that we've been seeing all through our journey through Acts, and it's simply this, that Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. And so if we're going to appreciate that, it helps to remember and reflect and to feel at a gut level what it's like to be an outsider. And so as we've been trekking through the book of Acts, we see this sort of narrative about God's heart for the outsider, for going out and pushing the boundaries and walls. It began in Acts chapter one, where Jesus said to that small group of disciples, hey, I want you to pray and wait, because you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that was the city, in Judea and Samaria, that's the neighboring towns and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what they did, because that was God's heart, to bring the outsiders in. And then in Acts, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends at Pentecost and gives them the ability by the Spirit to speak in languages that everyone can understand. And from that, I think we have this picture that you can see where the good news expanded from that little group to all those in Jerusalem because the Spirit of God came to bring outsiders in. And so that continues, and the church grows, and people come to faith, and they get infected with the good news of Jesus, and they just want to tell others. So much so that sort of the religious muckety-mucks have a problem with this. All these new Christians are bringing these outsiders, these people that aren't welcome, into faith. And so they believe it's their job as an insider to keep people out. And so persecution sort of erupts in chapters six, seven, eight, and 9, and that's our series called Resilient. But what we see as persecution comes, the church actually expands. That which the enemy means for evil, it means those believers, they take the good news of Jesus wherever they go to new people and new places. And so what we begin to see in persecution is it goes from Jerusalem to Judea And Samaria, it's this beautiful story and so last week, Jay helped us focus on the life of Peter. Peter, this consummate insider, the center of that Christian church, one of Jesus' three closest friends, the one that Jesus said, you're the rock, Peter, that I will build my church on. And it's that moment where, G- where Peter is in the home of Cornelius, this outsider, this Roman centurion, and he says, now I see, because of the Holy Spirit and the way God is speaking, now I see that God's shows no favoritism it's as if the light bulb is going off for Peter and he's been seeing it lived out but now it just makes sense by the hand of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit wow Jesus came to bring all the outsiders in are you tracking with me and is that not great news isn't that incredible news to see the story of God's heart that's been there from the beginning, that's made manifest in Jesus, and that's empowered through this first church by the Holy Spirit? Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. And hopefully that's good news and received for you today, particularly if you have experienced or are experiencing now what it feels like to be an outsider. See, if you feel like an outsider and you feel like you don't fit into the social norms or look like or talk like folks around you or you don't social distance like others, the good news is that Jesus came to bring outsiders in. If you felt like an outsider because of your family of origin or the community of your upbringing or the community you've stepped into, the good news is that Jesus came to bring outsiders in! If you felt like an outsider because of your gender, or socio-economic status, or any other thing that would cause others to make you feel like an outsider. The good news is that Jesus came to bring outsiders in if you've ever felt like an outsider when it comes to faith or belief or because you've had a lack of belief or if you felt like an outsider of all places in the Christian church or our church, I am so deeply sorry because Jesus came to bring outsiders in and he came to get insiders out. And if you are in a place where you have felt like an outsider because of the hue of your skin. If you've ever felt like an outsider, maybe this week, because you're a black man, or woman, or child, or teenager, living in America not 50 years ago, but living in America today, if you've ever felt like an outsider, I am so deeply sorry. Because Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. And I just want you to know if you are feeling that way in deep and profound ways because of this week, I want you to know that we at Heartland, we see you, we hear you, we love you, we mourn with you, we are one with you. Jesus came to bring outsiders in and his challenge for us today is for any who believe of ourselves to be insiders, to get us out beyond ourselves, beyond our comfort zone, beyond whatever invisible lines may be drawn around us. Jesus came, church, to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. And so we see this theme in the book of Acts, but maybe nowhere more poignant or important or acute or a life change and transformation so profound as what we see in the character of Saul. This is the person that we'll look at today. It turns out that Saul is sort of this head leader uh, of the religious elite, this muckety-muck insider that's trying to not just keep outsiders out, but is taking persecution and violence to the next level. And actually, it comes down to the point in end of Acts 7 where there's this believer Uh, named Stephen, who's preaching about Jesus. And when he gets to the point where he says, hey, Jesus came for the Gentiles, anyone who's an outsider, it's at this point where they've had enough and they pick up stones and they throw them at Stephen until he dies. And it's at this point that we're introduced to this person, this notorious character named Saul. And so here's the way the text reads. They rushed at Stephen and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. So Saul is a man that comes on the scene with this notorious introduction. And so there are a few things about his backstory that may help to understand. The first is that Saul is the leader of these persecutors. Well, how do we know that? Well, from the text we can see that others take off their outer cloaks and they lay them at Saul's feet. That was a sign that Saul was the leader. He was actually the one who called the order. Saul was the ultimate insider. We know this both from the text here, but also from places where we see Paul telling his story of what's happening here a few different times. And we see in Acts 22 and in places like Philippians chapter 3, that Saul had every benefit that any good Jewish person could possibly want. He had the right uh, bloodline. He had the right education, trained under the right people, knew all the right stuff, was the best at doing the good stuff. Unfortunately, doing what was good for Paul meant keeping out the wrong sorts of people. For Paul, what it meant to be an insider was to keep others out, and in this case, by force. But what we also see from Saul is that he's about to experience Jesus in a way that knocks him off his horse and changes his life. And because Jesus does that for Saul, you and I are welcomed into kingdom now because Saul becomes Paul who becomes the greatest messenger of Jesus the world has ever seen. And so it's this Saul who's on the road to Damascus. It wasn't enough to just bring persecution in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. He's starting to go to Damascus. And it's at this moment where this Saul, this great persecutor, encounters Jesus. This is in Acts chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 1. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do was an important thing happening in the text and also an important thing happening in the subtext. You see, the Holy Spirit knocked Saul off his horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting people? Oh wait, that's not what he said. He knocked, the Spirit knocked Paul off his horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is really significant because of course Saul is persecuting Jesus and the message and all of those things. Or or rather, of course, he's persecuting Jesus' followers. But our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, identifies with each person, with each follower, particularly those who feel vulnerable or on the outside. Jesus identifies with that pain and suffering. Saul, why are you persecuting me, the voice says. So Saul is blinded. Uh, He hears this voice, and, and he's told that he must go on And he'll be shown what to do. Well, at the same time, there's a man named Ananias. He's a follower of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes to Ananias and says, hey, I'm going to send someone to you. I want you to take care of him. I want you to lay your hands on him. I want you to pray for him. Uh, And I, I want you to tell him what he should do. And Ananias, I think, is like, cool, that sounds great. What's his name? And the Spirit says, well, it's Saul. And this is the point where Ananias is like, wait, what? Saul is this notorious persecutor. In fact, if God wouldn't have been so explicit, I'm certain Ananias wouldn't have taken up an audience with Saul, but he listens to the Spirit. He obeys, and the text continues, but the Lord said, go, Ananias, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. He's come to bring outsiders in. But he's also going to Israel. He's going to get those insiders out. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and instantly something like scales fell from, fell from Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight. And then Saul got up and was baptized. Well, what we've just encountered in this text is this conversion experience that Saul, the great persecutor of the first Christians, comes to faith in Jesus and his life and trajectory is transformed for the in, from the inside out for good. In this moment, Saul also goes, uh, has a transformation, a name change. You see, Saul meant the Lord asked And Saul, in and of himself, thought it was his job, the Lord asked him to be this great persecutor of these troubled people who were leading others astray. But when Paul's life was changed by Jesus, he took on the name Paul. Maybe you've heard of the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, who was the messenger to the Gentiles. This Saul we've been talking about is Paul. And Paul, of all things, means small. So this grandiose persecutor had this encounter with Jesus that made him small, that knocked him off his horse now Paul's mission is to make the name of Jesus large for all to see. He has this transformation experience where it even undergoes a name change. But I want to suggest to you there's another transformation, a second conversion happening in Saul. Because yes, it's good news and I'm so grateful that Saul came to faith in Jesus. He was forgiven of his sins, even the murder of God's chosen people his beloved first church. He was forgiven. That's good news for for Saul. Saul was actually one of the furthest outsiders who was now brought in. But Saul also realized the good news of Jesus is for everyone. No matter your ethnicity, your race, where you come from, socioeconomic status, if you are slave or Greek or male or female or anything else, we are all one in Christ, he realizes. And so he now learns a lesson we all must learn, that after we in Christ as an outsider who have been brought in, there's an imperative that we who are insiders based upon the love of Jesus, it's time for insiders to go out. And so this changed Paul's life, this changed Paul's mission, this also changed Paul's approach and vocabulary. Because we've been talking a lot about who's inside and who's outside, who's in, who's out. That's often how we think about this. I'm certain that this is the way Saul thought about it. Are you into the faith or are you out? If you're in, you're an insider, I care about you. If you're out, you're scum and I don't accept you. But Paul's language began to be different because the language of Scripture is not about who's in and out. Do you know what it's about? The language of Scripture is about near and far. The question is not who's in and who's out. The question is, are you near to God or far away? see, this wasn't new for Paul or the first church. This is language from the Old Testament, places like Psalms and Proverbs, where it says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, but the Lord is far from the wicked. The first words of Jesus, Jesus picks this up. He says, the kingdom of God, or the time has come in Mark chapter 1, the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's available. He'll say elsewhere, it's Within you, it's so near, it's that close. His problem uh, with, with people, any outsider came and flocked and they were welcome, they were near to God, but the people that Jesus had the most trouble with was the Pharisees. And the way he described them, he said, these people in Matthew 15, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And yet there was one where they, they asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. There's this one Pharisee in this moment in uh, the great commandment where he says, well said, Jesus, well said. And Jesus' response is, you are not far You're not far from the kingdom of God because the reality is God's love and his kingdom is so powerful, it's so engaging that it's not okay to say they're out. There's no way they can come back in. The question for Jesus and the question for you and I at this time and at all times is are we near or are we far? Are we near? Are we turning our lives and attuning towards him? Because the reality is The text says, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. It's not about who's in and who's out. The question for you and for me is, are we drawing near? Or are our hearts far from God? See, Paul takes this language, we see it in Ephesians chapter 2 where he says, of all of us, of all people, anyone who would profess the name of Jesus as Savior and get in step with his kingdom, he says this in Ephesians 2.13, but now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. the good news is there's no one so far that they can't be brought near to the love of God Saul is test case number one the greatest of sinners Paul calls himself looking back at that time I was the chief of sinners the greatest sinner the furthest outsider and yet through the kindness of God I was brought in and because that's true for Saul and Paul that is true for you and me Jesus came to bring outsiders in, to draw them near. And if we are in Christ, if we are in the family because of what he's done, his call to us is to get us out beyond ourselves, beyond our comfort zone, to the people who may even be furthest out from God. The scripture that's just kind of been settling in my spirit this week, particularly with this heavy season, this heavy time, yes, of COVID, also of the national conversation and and the pain of the events in Minnesota and the like. It's, It's just been this. Colossians 3, in this new creation life, this is Paul. He's saying, in this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference or your ethnicity education or economic status they matter nothing for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us see the good news today and I hope you receive this as good news is that Jesus came to bring outsiders in to bring those who are furthest out near to God's heart And once he's done that, his greatest desire for all of us as he's changing us is to get those insiders out. That's why as difficult as it is that we cannot gather in a room like this, I'm not chomping at the bit to get back together. And let me tell you why. Because we have maybe the greatest opportunity we've had not just as Heartland Church but as a culture where those who are inside meaning a family of God through saving faith in Jesus. We can't meet here, so we're out. We have the opportunity to be good neighbors. We have the opportunity to love on folks around us who are feeling unsettled in new ways. And if we can get beyond ourselves, if we can get out, God can do amazing things. Last Sunday, because I wasn't here And I was in my home. I got to just take a walk around the neighborhood. And I kid you not, had ten conversations with ten different families. Um, Just good conversations. Some lighthearted, some deep, some fun. Some with those who are close to Jesus, near, some who are far. But it felt like the best day of ministry I'd had in a long time. Because I was with people whom Jesus loves. Not here as great as that would be but out where I am and the same is true for you and that's why we're excited about when we can gather yes but making the most of this opportunity when we who are Heartland are engaging at home or in our neighborhoods or wherever we are and we want to continue to equip and encourage and challenge you during this time one thing I love about Heartland is we've always been a church that's for the furthest out. However we've said that, we started as to build a church for the unchurched. Our, our, the, the, our mark of a disciple now includes we want to love God, love others, and love the furthest out. That's always been in our heart. The more someone feels like an outsider, the more our heart is drawn for them and for you. And so it makes me think of Paul in the scriptures, and it makes me think of my buddy, Paul. So I first met Paul uh, four or five years ago when he came to Heartland for the first time, and what I've come to find in Paul is a dear friend, a very confident and capable and skilled person, someone who's caring and compassionate, always reaching out to hear how I'm doing, someone who's looking to make a difference in the lives of others. He's someone that is, is successful in his career but wants to follow Jesus by going back to school to be a counselor, and in all his free time, Paul took about five weekends over this past year to help me finish my basement. This is just the kind of dear friend Paul is. But for me, Paul's story of transformation is profound. Because Paul, up until four or five years ago, was an outsider and sort of wore that as a badge of honor. He had no interest in faith. He had no interest in church that came from a very young age. He, he grew up in a broken home and when he was with his dad, his dad, this intellectual who had no business with Jesus and when he was with his mom, she was a troubled individual who took that out in terms of abuse on her children and so he just didn't have a good example but learned how to pick himself up by his bootstraps and 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 be capable on his own without God and and then in college he had a traumatic experience with this head-on highway collision where he alone was the lone survivor and though he wasn't interested in faith before this caused him to become even more antagonistic. I asked for Paul's permission to share some of his story. He gave it to me, and there are a few snippets I just have to read in his own words. He said, I didn't really believe in God, and after the accident, my cynicism about faith and God developed into an outspoken, antagonistic view about anyone who claimed to believe in a power greater than themselves. To say that my buddy Paul was a persecutor of Christians would be way too strong. <laughs> But his antagonism came out in terms of sarcasm and being dismissive and occasional social media posts that might tear folks down who believed in fanciful fables. But that all began to change for Paul when he started dating a gal who invited him to come to church, to Heartland. and It was Easter of 2016, and I remember meeting Paul shortly after that. And Paul, what I experienced was, he was very upfront. I'm not a believer. I'm not interested. I'm really skeptical. He was using things like you and us, and it kind of felt like an outsider, and yet what I could tell was he was drawing nearer to God, or rather... God was drawing near to him, and what he always felt was welcome at Heartland, and and as I introduced him to friends, and as I invited to our Friday morning Bible study, he was welcomed, and he could ask questions, and he could disagree, and he felt like though he might be an outsider, he was brought in, and I could tell what was happening, that even though things he would say would talk about, I'm far from God, I don't believe it, I knew that Jesus was drawing near. And so Paul, in his own words, describes sort of this season over the next year, where he says, "'That summer was a whirlwind of starting a new relationship, meeting leaders at Heartland and getting involved with a group of guys at a coffee shop on Friday mornings, and developing a faith I can only describe as life-saving. I started to feel known and loved around Heartland, and people in my life, even at work, started to see real change in me. I had a new faith and community of Christian men I could lean on.'" I gotta tell you, it's been an incredible part of being part of Paul's journey of coming to faith, of asking all the hard and right questions, of navigating a breakup in a relationship, of of navigating a new relationship that has culminated in a beautiful marriage with Melissa, that's gone through vocational change and and including coming to faith in Jesus because he belonged in had space to come to his own faith and to believe. And I just love Paul, and I love seeing a real-life example of how Jesus came to bring outsiders in. And when we who are in the faith can be welcoming and loving and encouraging, and we can get outside ourselves the way God, through his Holy Spirit, has the power to change a human life, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I was not expecting this, but when I asked for Paul uh, for permission to share his story, he's like, yeah, that sounds great. Let me send this this, uh, paper I've written for my counseling program. And that's what I've been reading from. But what I didn't know or expect was he had titled this paper, From Small to Saul to Paul. He sees in the story of Paul a real-life story for him. He sent this to me. I was amazed by it. And he concludes in this way. The past few years have been nothing short of incredible. What God has done in my life and for my heart is something I'm only now starting to have language for. I don't mean to compare myself to biblical characters with the title headings for each phase of my life, but I can't think of a better analogy than to describe the way God has met me where I am and remove my own version of scales that blinded me in the first 38 years of my life, like the story of Paul. I can't help but feel God has laid a path in front of me. And while I never profess to know exactly what he has in store for me, I truly believe more than ever the efforts I'm willing to make for this counseling opportunity are an answer to this call. See, in the life of my buddy Paul, Jesus came to bring the outsiders in, the furthest out near, and now for him from the inside out. And his latest expression is to be one of our care and counseling interns for this next year at Heartland. It's just a beautiful story of transformation. God's doing that all the time. Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. And so in conclusion, I just want to give three questions and challenges for you, however you feel. If you have felt like an outsider or feel like one now, I hope you take away that Jesus came to bring you in and to draw you near. And so since he did that, the opportunity is available. Draw near to me, Jesus says, and I will draw near to you. If you felt like that, draw near to God. If you felt like an outsider in the past, I want you to experience that to be different, but my encouragement is also don't forget what it feels like. Why? Because when we can remember what it feels like personally to feel like an outsider, that gives us compassion for people who may still be far from God, who the Spirit of God is in fast pursuit of, and it gives us a heart to reach out as well. So don't forget what that feels like because there'll be a day or a time when you may feel like an out or an insider and that's important but if and when that day comes it's imperative to remember Jesus didn't just come to bring outsiders in he came to get insiders out We carry the church's mission in our day, in fresh ways, wherever we are. Can we do this as a church? Can we claim this mission that Saul and Paul gave us through the Holy Spirit in our day, in our context, in our church, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city, in the world? Will we do that during this important time? Because Jesus came to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you can use the life of any person. Thank you that there is no one who is so far from you that that they cannot be drawn near by your Spirit. And thank you for the privilege and responsibility and the challenge that comes with getting beyond ourselves, out of our comfort zone, and out of faith and faithfulness to you, looking outside ourselves, at the plight of others. Lord, for any who is feeling like an outsider, I pray that you would draw near and give comfort and encouragement, and may we proactively do that together and look beyond ourselves. And Lord, in this day and this season for us as a church, will you galvanize us around this powerful idea that comes from Jesus and Paul and the scriptures about how you came from beginning to end to bring outsiders in and to get insiders out. In Jesus' name, amen.